This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 525, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the League podcast, episode 525. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Yo. And I think Josh Flanagan's here. Oh, I'm here, buddy. Oh, good. <laughs> oh. We were worried. It was, touch- it was touch and go there for a while. Just do the show without me, guys. <laughs> go on. Go on never, without me. It's like never, you were the flag bearer to civil war battle. You fell down. Never leave a man behind. I thought it was, the internet was going to be out for a while. It was out for like five hours last week. I just thought, I don't want to have to reschedule this. The internet goes out for 30 seconds. He's like, just forget it, I quit. <laughs> Our lives are tightly scheduled. What do you want? We are iFanboy. We like comics. Everyone can read a bunch you of guys should have responded with, it's okay, you can't do any more good back there. <laughs> I'm trying to be the hero of the rebellion. <laughs> and then followed by a, sorry... Well, the thing is, our need to quote Star Wars was overcome by our need to not let you bail out of the show. Exactly. At the, at the drop of a hat. Exactly. Fair enough. One of us picks their favorite book they read this week. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that on the show. We talk about other books. We've got a whole bunch of emails to go through. It'll be fun, hopefully. And here's a spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers. Exercise some caution. Ron had to pick on this special anniversary size episode of iFanboy. This is an an- what anniversary is it? Didn't they always used to do like every number five ending comic was like an anniversary size? Like seven, I remember as a kid, three seventy-five, and oh yeah, two fifty was an anniversary. Like it's like every time it was a multiple of twenty-five, it was yep. considered an anniversary issue. It was so bizarre. I guess so. All right, there you go. Um, well, this certainly isn't an anniversary issue that got pick of the week, but it was a good issue nonetheless. Uh, similar to Connor's. Uh, uh, situation last week i felt as if I, I i didn't have a ton of books in my stack this week and honestly the majority of them were all you know kind of b pluses a minuses there wasn't any like oh my god i can't wait to read this or oh my god you know that that sort of thing but that said those are the moments when uh certain books can surprise you and similar to when josh got surprised by spider woman a couple of weeks ago um, I had to give it up for Old Man Logan number three, uh, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino, um, because uh, or Andrea, Andrea, I don't know, he's Italian. Um, Andrea. Andrea Sorrentino. Shouldn't be- you know this? I should, yeah, because Andrea Sorrentino kicked some major ass on this issue. Um, well, what's interesting is we haven't talked about this book since the first issue, I think, and I wasn't on that show. I heard you guys talk right. about it. Um, you didn't really like this. First yeah, issue. no, I didn't like the first issue because it, it just kind of it, it was it was a weird setup and it was just, it was it suffered from the general issues that we I think we collectively have had in the post Secret Wars uh, Marvel Universe, which is where you don't really know what's up and what's down and what connects and what doesn't connect and you know how did you know and not not so much that I care that how, how Old Man Logan got there, but but how does it connect with the greater thing? With well, you the, know, how yeah, it got there. Yeah, the yeah. little time bubble and. Secret Wars that, that ended up making no sense. I know exactly. Um, but that said, you know, three issues in, I don't care. 
you know, uh, old man Logan is here. He's he's got a list of uh, of people that he's that he's trying to get back at. Um, but the thing is, you have that's that they're playing with that expectation. Is yeah. he cares, right? Because care. he he thinks he's in his <laughs> timeline, but what he's rapidly finding out through the course of the three issues is that he's not in his timeline, right? And so the 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 future he th- fears is coming, and the reason why he wants to kill these people on his list is not actually going to come to pass in this particular timeline, and that's fucking with him pretty badly. Yeah, and exactly. that's, that's what I thought was the. The strength of this issue a lot was was that aspect of it. Yeah, agreed, uh, and uh, yeah, and I, I, absolutely. Uh, but for me, what I thought the strength of the issue was um, the the little delights in each page that Sorrentino, uh, Sorrentino, as well as the colorist, um, uh, what is Maiolo. it, Mar- Mar- Marcelo Maiolo, who's Brazilian, not Italian. He might be Italian, but he lives in Brazil. Um, sexy either way. Exactly, yeah. very sexy. Um, Sorry. You know, you look at so so the 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 issue opens up, and it's basically this issue ultimately is a team up with. Um, they all have been. Yeah, yeah, which is neat. Um, and the te- next issue too. I think this is like a team up book. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. Um, and this is uh, Old Man Logan teaming up with Kate Bishop Hawkeye, and from the first page, I noticed that, like I love the each panel is in the little arrow kind of you know the 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 that dip design that the that Hawkeye's arrow logo has been recently. Um, and you get that for the first two pages, continuing the momentum till the third page, which pushes us down to basically the arrowhead, which then pushes us into a flashback mm-hmm. um, of of Wolverine, old man Logan back with his family in his world, um, and you know, which gives us a little more context for what's go, we know the world that he's coming from, um, and then you know he kind of explains to Kate Bishop what he's trying to do, and she offers to help him, and then you get a great double page spread of the two of them running along the rooftops. Um, yep. which, which just had great, you know, kind of momentum. And then you get to the final, f- you get to the fight and there's just great look. Sorrentino is, does such a great combination of, of action with layouts and, and then, and then you add in, uh, Mayola with the colors, you know, like, so when they, when they are, they're trying to find Mysterio and they go to the place where, where they think Mysterio is and they, you know, uh, old man Logan kicks in the door and at the bottom of the page, you get the snicked. But inside, inside the word "snicked" is Old Man Logan and his claws. Like it's just layering in action in these panels, just make the page so dynamic and jump out. And you know, and, and when Kate Bishop gets involved, the background of the panel changes to purple. Um, there's one point where she's trying to stop Old Man Logan from killing somebody, and so she shoots him with an arrow. And you've got the red background panel of Old Man Logan, you know, kind of reacting. But then uh, a panel within the pa- panel that's purple that shows the arrow going into Logan. Um, it just, it's it just the, the, the combination of layout, artwork and color just made it all like each page, there was some little thing where I'm like, Ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. Um, and I can go through with, with, you know, through the rest of the issue and point them out, but I would encourage you to go check out the issue to see what I'm talking about. You know, like there's a great panel where Kate, Kate kicks old man Logan. She does like a, uh, a flip. And kicks flip him, kick. yeah, yeah, a flip kick, and and that was dynamic and great. I don't know, I just like I just love the art of this issue. It just it just it, it just it just really sung to me. So. Sorrentino is really great, and, yeah. and he's one of the reasons why I stuck around Green Arrow longer than I wanted to. Agreed, uh, yeah, me too. Because this this is the team behind Green Arrow, and they they did this kind of work there too. And this 
it's it's this was a really fun comic to look at on a lot of levels. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and and the thing is, is that like, yeah, no, I started off with the first issue being somewhat somewhat hypercritical and somewhat annoyed by the premise, but to the points that you mentioned, Connor, of the, uh, of you know the the conflict between Old Man Logan chasing basically what is a an expired vendetta. You know, it's a vendetta that doesn't exist. He's chasing after people that don't exist in this world. Doesn't um, he know he's in a comic and no, no future comes to pass in the comics? You'd think he'd know that by now. Um, but so I have a couple of questions, Ron. Okay, sure. Number one, who are those bodies in the water in the flash forward? Um, his, oh, those are dead heroes. Yes, I know. Which heroes are they? That's a good question. I was thinking about that because one of them I feel like... Ha- I'm sorry? Well, how long were you thinking about it? Oh, about maybe 45 minutes. It wasn't that long. Oh. Well, because I was reading the comic, so I mean... I, I'm not, yeah. At this point, I'm wondering what the point of you even answering is. Right, yeah. Um, uh, I think I'm pretty sure that the main skeleton that he sees is Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman? Yeah, because the logo on on the, 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 the fabric that's there, plus the glasses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's somebody with an X logo. I don't know who that mo- just generic X man. Um, and then is the is the lower right purple with the arrows? Is that Kate Bishop? I don't even know what her costume looks like. Not, I mean, I haven't seen her in an actual costume in forever. Well, yeah. So, so you've you've got three skeletons. So, so basically, what what Connor's referring to is during the flashback. Um, flash forward. S- during the fl- uh, flashback. Flashbacks to the forward time. Flashback to flash forward. Yes, good point. Um, so what is old man Logan's at Kate Bishop's apartment? He's all tired, and he and he sticks his face in, uh, under the un, in the sink into the water, and that's the transition to old man Logan in the water playing with his kids in the future, in the past. Right. Um, and oh, yeah, that, that is what are we looking at now? <laughs> now. Or now, now, Josh. Now, now. Right, right. That is, you know, that is Spider Woman's costume. I'm looking at, I'm looking online. That is her costume. Right. It is her costume. Yeah. And so, and so, I. Which. <laughs> so I really got to think that, given that Kate Bishop is in the story, that the lower right one must be her. Okay. Because it's purple and it's got arrow, it's got arrow like um, things. Yeah, I'm go- I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna say that this Kate Bishop. So. That's my, my confusion is now now cleared up. I had another question and I've forgotten it in all the talk. Okay, seven. <laughs> um, this was good though. I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, yeah, I was with you being a little iffy on the first issue, but I like this sort of man out of time. Oh, my other question is: Old Man Steve, who shows up on, for the last page reveal, is he wearing a backpack? No, he's got it's that it's that weird um, harness that he's been wearing. It just looks like a backpack. The way it, it does starts. look like a backpack. It does, and uh, and uh, I, I did like how he throws the garbage can lid as a shield because he misses it. Also, yeah, he doesn't draw him so much old as just with weird random lines emanating from the center of his face, and also a very ill-fitting shirt. Well, he's old. Yeah, you know. true. We got a shot of we got a shot of Steve's feet. And the bottom, uh, his soles of his boots have little stars on them. We know comic creators are big on branding. Comic characters are big on branding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just wonder where you get that made. Like, I, I need I the think boots. That was but- part of the original suit, and he's got them. Like, he just keeps wearing them. They were right. good boots. There, like, yeah. it, and he he's still wear the boots. A good well, pair of boots. A good time. A good so pair of like, boots will last yeah. you a long time. Right. It's like, those are good boots. Why do I need new boots? He's depression era. He doesn't get rid yeah. of anything. Right. Yeah. Right. No. Everything is used until it falls apart. 
And the boots look like they're holding up because really that sole is going to be the first thing that wears out. And you right. try to find like, somebody to resole it and, and make sure that star is on there. Right. Yeah. It's very specific requirements with the soles of his boots. Well, this was a good issue. Yeah, it was good, right? And it was um, a little, yeah, little surprised that it was the pick, but I, I was not. I was not surprised. Well, know? yeah, no, just because as as I sat back and looked at it all, I was just like, I was like, you know, that's the one that delighted me with nearly every page. So, like, that's what that's what gets my pick. Um, I want and, to see that on the cover. That's the one that delighted me, Ron Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say it was it was very very close. There was a there was a couple other uh, good contenders. Um, one of which. Uh, Probably was Spider-Man number two, which after feeling iffy after the first issue, after this issue, I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Well, the thing is, and you mentioned this in your just your previous review of just a few minutes ago, Ron. Yes. Was okay. that... Wait, is that in the past? In the past. Yeah. Okay. Got in, it. Which, just, just five minutes ago. Right. Wait, which one are we talking about now? <laughs> um, that you have to let, let it go because Spider-Man on its face makes no sense in the terms of the, the rules of the world they've set down. So you just have to say, okay, they've... Brought everyone over from the Ultimate Universe, or at least this bubble of people, right? And just forget it. Welcome to where I was last week, guys. How is it? <laughs> Wait, last week? When was last that? issue? I don't know. Don't these just come out every week now? <laughs> no, the last issue we had the same we had the same concerns. We we yeah. talked about it. all three of us did, but like you can either let that drag the book down or just ignore it. And yeah, you off. can either go, either you can you can sit there and stomp your feet and pout about it, or you just go with it and enjoy the story. And well, there's lots of costumes in this that you can pout about if you want to instead. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> like, like Peter Parker's stupid glowing. Well, that's the that's the current. You're not reading Spider Man. That's the current. No, uh... and it's stupid. And when he stands next to uh, Sam Wilson in his stupid outfit, <laughs> everyone looks stupid. Why is his chest glowing? Run. I don't know. Because it's stupid. Is that it? <laughs> We know there's like a thing in here about how Miles Morales has a cooler costume. Yep. That's really easy to fix, Pete. <laughs> Stop making yours stupid. That's a I mean, that's an active thing. It's not like he's like, I don't know how to shut it off. You, you all you need is to not put a battery in it. Does he have the Iron Man? I feel like there should be a bump in his back where the battery pack is. Yes. That lights up his eyes and his chest for no reason. That's great for stealth. Where'd Spider-Man go? Oh, he's right there. <laughs> his fucking eyes and his chest are glowing. <laughs> Why is that? Th- who did that? Um, oh, I, he does. He has one of the best costumes of all time. Yet he thinks he has the worst one. Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah, this is Marvel. This is internal Marvel. Low self esteem. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's 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 typical Peter Parker. I mean, you know, he's yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, now, put that aside, I enjoyed this issue. I, th- I love Miles. I, th- I love the little cartoony you know, flashback scene. That um, was good. Um, Sarah Pacelli is wonderful. Yep. And uh, despite the fact that it makes no goddamn sense at all that this is happening, um, and the fact that I hate this glowy Spider-Man thing, and I hate Falcon Cap, and I hate everything else, I, yeah. I love this issue. Yeah, it was great. It was really, really good. It's just quality. I felt it definitely felt more. I, and I don't know if it took the, fir- the the first issue felt off. That that was when we talked about it. Like it, it felt it didn't feel the Miles Morales vibe that had previously been established. But this one absolutely did, and, and just clicked for some reason. Um, whereas the first issue didn't for me. Um, so yeah, it was. It was so good. as by the way, as we're just because we're complaining about stuff, I just want to go ahead and make sure that no one forgets that Miles's father's name is Jefferson Davis. 
<laughs> just in case that got by anybody, that's right. still a thing. Still right. a thing in the world. Still a thing in the world. He goes by Jeff Davis, Josh. You know what? That's stupider than the glowing Spider-Man costume. <laughs> by miles. <laughs> Not that kind of miles. The actual yeah. uh-huh. miles. I think Black Cat's uh, got a great apartment. I would like to live in it. And one-arm push-ups. Yeah. She's angry. Yeah. Why is she angry again? She's bad now. Yeah, yeah, she's bad. She hates Peter. Something happened with Peter. You know how not interesting I find the character as a bad guy? Right. Incredibly right. not interesting. Yeah. Like, but, I always like the... I mean, obviously, it's a Catwoman kind of ripoff. We're like... Well, when they, made, when they made Catwoman a mob boss, that was the same feeling I had. I don't yeah. like that at all. Like she's they, interesting as a gray character. The ambiguity and the sort of the... Like, they're enemies but have affection for each other. That's super interesting. Her being mad and... and eh. Doing one-arm prison push-ups? Yeah. She probably has love and hate tattooed on her fingers. <laughs> Looking at her giant, <laughs> giant television. Which is funny because it's actually drawn. It's not drawn like a projector or an LCD screen. It's drawn like a gigantic CRT TV. It's <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> Look at the beveling on that. It's terrible. <laughs> it's Why would you buy that button. TV? This and TV has button. eight inches of beveling all around the side. <laughs> it's, it's, that's Bendis on there. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's uh, three by, four by three. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know what's going on in Italy, Shelley, but uh, <laughs> they have yeah, big was, TVs there, right? It was it was very good. It was very very good. I get the reference for the TV. <laughs> um, but another look, looks uh, wonderful though. Another close contender for uh, pick of the week was uh, the first issue of the new series for uh, the the reteaming of Mark Wade and Chris Omni on Black Widow number one. And Matt, Wil- Matt Wilson, don't care. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting in the credits. Did you notice that uh, it was listed as Chris Omni and Mark Wade as the well, writers? Did you, read, did you read the little essay in the back? No, I didn't read the essay. They're doing it Marvel style. So oh, wow. They're plotting it together. Somni goes off and draws it, and then Wade comes back and, and does the uh, the dialogue. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I thought this, this-, was, this was the one that everybody freaked out on you for not picking. Everybody freaked out? On every four, four every people. every platform that I we saw, are I saw, on. I saw one on Twitter. And the <laughs> there was a couple on Twitter and then there was a couple on Facebook. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and and the thing was, like, this was great. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I mean, like, give me Somni any day of the week. But this was just an action sequence. Yes, right. Like, it, it just, it just, to me, it felt, it felt, it felt shorter than I, 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 I it felt, it felt, I was like, that's it. Like, where's the rest of it? And I that, think sometimes you get a thing where. This is this is sort of on Somni, if I'm going to go ahead and be honest with it, mm-hmm. is that he's actually wowed us so many times um, that this was really great. Yeah. And for anybody else, it would have been amazing. But for Somni, oh, yeah, we, yeah, we've seen you do that before, and you're doing it really well, yeah. I think, to a certain extent. I, um, I can't get behind. I, I was pretty amazed. I mean, this is... It was great. I'm not saying it's, it's not great. It's not a silent issue, but it's a near-silent issue. Yeah. And this the storytelling and the... The panel layouts and it, and the work in the panels, the angles. Right. It was a really it was a clinic on how to draw an right. action comic. I mean, there's yeah, a one panel I love where, in the beginning, when she's she's in the shield office beating everybody up. It's the uh, it's number page number three, the top mm-hmm. panel where it's from a low angle, but everyone's sort of kind of slightly fish eyed. Yep, yep. Um, the everyone's at an ang- everyone's coming at an angle. It's it's every, just the most dynamic pa- panel I've seen in a while. Yeah. Now I, I get that this issue felt thin because it was just one, basically one sequence. But it was such a beautiful sequence that I. 
Yeah, no, there, 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 there were a lot of there, there were a lot of. I mean, I mean, it's you know how much I love Somni. Somni's great, it's, and and there were so many um, great moments in it. You know, in terms of action and and you know, kind of exciting, kind of explosions, and you know, d- it was diff- the cold open of a Bond movie. That's exactly. Yes. Exactly. That's that. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is that? And I guess I just wanted a little more to grab onto. That's We've often talked about yeah. first issues can tend to feel like the first half of what should have been a double sized first issue. Yeah. Um, like I, so, the, the premise of this book, if you haven't, if you're not reading it, is that somehow Black Widow has turned against Shield, or Shield turning against Black, Black Widow. This was her escaping from Shield the entire time, rather brutally. It's it's going to be hard to come back from. from I this. like your costume in this. Um, um similar. To you got to say, I've I've heard people say that uh, not wrongly that that uh, Natasha got the sort of short shrift on things in terms of you know action figures, movie attention, blah blah blah, etc. Well, her last two comic book series have had two of the best artists there are out there working. Yeah. So, I mean, between from going from Phil Noto to to Chris Somney, uh, you cannot say that she was shortchanged on uh, talent. On the comic side, no, not at all. Yeah. So, Chris Somney is really great. Yes. Really, really, really great. Um. Although they, I, in the back, I got kind of sad because they were discussing what book they wanted to do together next, and they're like, "Should we do Captain America?" I was like, yes. <laughs> don't, don't tease <laughs> us like that. <laughs> well, let's see who, who we're talking about here. So, um, I'll, you know, it was really great this week. Unfollow number five because completely Oof. blew up all my expectations for what I thought was the story was going. Yeah, you're not. That was and a. It was just. You know what I'm talking about. Everything about this issue. The things that I didn't like to see, I loved seeing. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. I the characters that I liked did really dumb things, but in a way that yes. completely made sense. And I did not like seeing it because I have already affection for these characters, but in in the best possible way. They just make the worst decisions, and you're just like, no. <laughs> um, it's like The Wire season five. You're <laughs> <laughs> just like, why are you doing that? <laughs> So in this issue, we, we thought they'd be spending a lot more time in this in this sort of ten little Indians group on the island, but now they're they're all off the island, and now everyone knows they have all this money, and and the main character, who come from a bad part of St. Louis, uh, we knew he'd be in trouble when he got home, and he's in trouble with the local um, authorities in his neighborhood. Dave be ballin'. Who was the guy? The killer croc guy who strangled the guy in the beginning. Was he one of the winners? Uh, I don't know. He's there's like a metaphor going on for his, like he's a leopard or something at the end. That's the only part of this book I don't quite understand. No, I don't either. I'm but gonna he's I don't understand him. it all. On yeah. the last page, but I don't. Is. I don't think you're meant to understand it. Really, no, I get it. Yeah, I told, yeah, I'm yeah. not yeah. saying it's a deficit. I'm just saying yeah. I, I still don't understand that part of it. Whatever yeah. this leopard metaphor is going on, but um, that's like Hobbes. That's his Hobbes. Except that Hobbes is murdering people as well. It's a different kind of book, dude. <laughs> um, this was this was another really great issue of I think what well, continues to be one of the best series out there. But I love that it just completely zigged when I thought it was going to zag. Yeah, I, I this was definitely one of those I- issues that at the end I was like, oh come on! Like I really had a moment with it. Uh, it, it like it, I actually I had I had missed this somehow and like I read it at the last minute because I was I saw it on the list. I was like, oh, I got to read that really quickly. <laughs> And so I was like right before we recorded and I finished it. And I was like, oh, that, that, that needs to be on the list. Okay, it is on the list. Good. Yeah. It's just, it's really great. I mean, bad, bad stuff's going to happen. When, when, you know, there's always the stories about people who win the lottery and their lives go to shit. And they're not prepared for all this money and attention. And, 
And should uh, we bring up that thirty for thirty documentary again because I think this guy really needs to watch it. <laughs> I, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, though, I, I find myself with every issue liking Mike Dowling's art more and more. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Also, I kind of want to get this creepy gold mask and wear it all the time. <laughs> well, what's weird is that it changes. Right. There's, a, yeah, there's also yeah. a wig element. To, oh yes, the wigs attached. To it. Yeah, totally. Would that be weird if I started wearing that all the time? I'll call you Mr. Rubenstein <laughs> if that's the problem. But, uh, you know, I'd be hard-pressed not to make this pick leak for the third issue in a row. I don't know what I, my pick would be, but it would be I strange. know what my pick would be, and it's not this, but this is my runner-up. All right. We're going to get to that. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Well oh. Right, that's what we call a teaser. That's what we call teasing the business. There we go. Uh, so <laughs> to tease that, and you need a little bit of space before you get to it. And uh, we're going to take this space to tell you how you can help support iFanboy. Um, if you enjoy this show, if you've enjoyed the past 10 plus years of this show, <laughs> even if you've just discovered it and have only enjoyed the past 10 minutes, um, there are ways that you can help uh, to keep iFanboy running. And we appreciate everybody who chooses to support us. Um, you go to iFanboy.com support, uh, and there you can find a bunch of different links uh, of ways that you can uh, show your, your your support. I keep using the word support because it's, it's, it's a nice word. Um, you can go over to Amazon, and you can do all of your shopping over at Amazon.com via the handy link that we provide to you. Uh, and and in doing that, we get a little taste of your business over at Amazon. Not a dollar leaves your wallet. Uh, it just uh, comes out of Amazon. So they pay us for just sending you over to their store. Uh, you still have to pay for your stuff at you, Amazon. You do, but but at the usual low, low discounted rates. Uh, there's no extra cost or anything like that. Uh, Amazon just gives us a little taste of the sale. Uh, and that's a great way to do your shopping when you need to. Uh, you know, summer's coming up. It's time to shop for bathing suits and things like that. Uh, now's the time. It's a good place for them. Get, get them. Get them. Try them on in a store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Blindly on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to help us out in a more direct manner, uh, you can go to ifanboy.com/support and you can choose to sign up for an ifanboy membership, where you can become a recurring member at three dollars a month or thirty dollars a year. And we thank everybody who has done that. And if you just if you don't want to do something on the recurring basis, but you want to throw some money our way, and again. Several of you have done that in this past week, and we want to thank you. Uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, you can donate to us by clicking on the link to send money directly via PayPal, uh, and you can do any denomination you like. We got a couple of uh, donations this past week that were very generous, and so we want to thank everybody who has done that. Uh, so yeah, it's all over at ifanboy.com/support. Uh, your support helps keep the show alive. Helps keep value the su- for value, ex- right? Ex- exactly, value for value. We're giving you this for free. Give us a little something back to thank us for it, and we'll keep the servers running and the downloads. Uh, uh, downloads heading your way. So, uh, Listen, if, we need, if we need to become a five hundred one C corporation, we will we'll look we, into that. We will not. Yeah, we will not. Uh, dis- not know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, all right. So go to ifanboy.com slash support. And we thank everybody for your support, uh, guys. I'm beginning to think that deadly class is just a metaphor for Rick Remender's childhood and outlook on on the world. And I it never took, looked at it that way. It took you 19 issues to realize that. I'm beginning to suspect. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, uh, what what jumped out at me about this issue again is, and I feel like it's every issue I say the same thing. But goddamn, Wes Craig is amazing. And yes. and th- this entire issue is basically uh, the majority of it is a chase scene, 
right? It's it's uh, one character being chased by these Russian thugs uh, through San Francisco. Um, well, clearly, you're not going to make a pick of the week because that wasn't enough before. I, <laughs> no, but there's actual story at the end of it. So, <laughs> but uh, there, there there is also a, a rebar beating. I, I was just gonna say that. there's re, rebar gets used in a uh, in a non-stabby fashion. So it's not yeah, and, you know what? It doesn't it, I, as a as a bludgeoning tool. It doesn't bother me all that much. In fact, it's a little flexy, so it may not be exactly what you want. Right. That's more of a whipping sensation. It's more the stabbing, I think, that gets any of us. Oh yeah, no, it's it's the it's the penetra it's the piercing and the penetration. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Rebar yeah. penetration. Yeah. Just to narrow it down. So rebar, that's my new band name. Rebar penetration. That's um, uh, I did like the uh, – for those who don't know about San Francisco, there used to be a Tower Records, and it's long gone, and Rick clearly is revisiting that in the scene uh, as someone is trying to buy a B-52s record, and the the cashier is chastising him for that. I thought that was a that funny – That opening yeah, sequence I, on both sides made me remember why I'm not a music person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I oh. cannot stand either either one of those people. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know how you talk to us. Well, that's been we a constant problem. <laughs> we, we don't talk to Connor about music. Anymore. Yeah. Um, the first page uh, I alluded earlier. Th- this would have been my pick of the week. Really? Oh, totally. Wow. First of all, I was hooked by that first page. Yeah. I just thought that was all. I I really just liked that view and had nothing to do with anything. Yep. In the book, which is totally breaking the rules, and I didn't care. Yep. I, and I I just I liked the whole way that thing was set up and everything it got across, and I was like, th- that whole bit at the beginning. Is everything that I have come to, you know, it's taken me years to come to that realization. Yeah. What realization? I like, I like heavy music. Uh, and, and, and I have to, like, I had to convince myself to like other stuff. Mm. Um, I don't like the B 52s, it should be noted, but I've heard, like, I've heard that conversation and it was, uh, it was interesting. I, I feel like the, the, the best thing the 52, the B 52s gave us was that uh, there was a sketch. Uh, okay. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to divert. We've got time here, right? Um, sure. If you remember, uh, folks who are old like us might remember in 1991 or 1992, there was a show on MTV called You Wrote It, You Watch It that that was hosted by Jon Stewart, a young Jon Stewart, and basically was uh, people wrote in stories and then they had them acted out and the people acting them out were the cast of what would then become the state. And then later become Michael Ian Black, Michael Showalter, Thomas Lennon, you know, Ben Grant, all those guys. So this is before the state ever happened. It was like the state's first gig with MTV. And someone had wrote in a story about having a dream that Fred Schneider from the B-52s was following them around. And they shot this sketch with Thomas Lennon doing Fred Schneider. And to this day, I will randomly think about it. And it's the funniest thing ever. Hmm. Because like, because like it was this whole idea of Fred Schneider from the B-52s following them around, and at one point the the person who wrote in the story they said they had this dream and he's there at school and he's following them you know on the road he's like even in the bathroom and it was a shot of someone in a bathroom stall and you just see their feet and then all of a sudden on the floor by their feet you see Thomas Lennon's head pop up and he goes somebody's taking a poo poo. <laughs> all right. And to this day that makes me laugh. So, all right, there you go. There's a B-52 story for you, thanks to Deadly Class sort number of. 19. <laughs> sort of. They weren't in this, no, not really. Uh, I like the rest of it, and at the end of it also really got me. I was like, oh, no! Yeah. Yep. Um, that was the sound I made quietly in my head, but... And and that's and that's and honestly, going, going back to saying why Black Widow wasn't the pick sure. of the week, there wasn't that 
oh no thing at the end a black widow and i feel like i feel like deadly class did it in a right way that it moved that you know, shouldn't always be the reaction no it's I, one, I, re- one reaction to have no i know i know but it but it but that kind of visceral react like black widow kind of ended i'm like oh okay that's over just Whereas, own it ron i'm just saying own that. your decision all right anyway you don't have to justify it i'm not justifying i'm just i'm, I'm giving Sounds further like further background so anyway Josh? yeah he's justifying it well, that's what that's what he does. We do Whatever. this whole other show, and it's full of criminal action. And I don't know if you've noticed, it doesn't seem to think that matters. The Sheriff um, of Babylon number four. This is what this is one of those ones where I feel like we've been talking about it, but I feel like I need to acknowledge that it gets better with every issue. And with every issue, I kind of feel like I'm starting to know what's going on. But hmm. that's not a criticism because no. the main character doesn't know what the hell's going on because you're trying to understand this thing that is so foreign and so alien and there's so many things that you cannot know um, that I find that part of it very compelling. Yes. Um, I find the alienness of the character and, you know, culturally, they're, you know, how they act, what their goals are to be very different than what we think of as normal. And, and like, in general, I don't like uh, recent sort of war stories like I feel like I don't have the perspective on stuff you know if you do a war about like the wars in the last uh, a story about the wars in the last 10 years I tend not to gravitate toward it because I don't feel like I have perspective on it to, to grasp it um, I wouldn't say this isn't a war story though no it just it's taking place in a war zone it, I yeah. just mean this setting I find uh, can, can be a really tough one for me to engage with but I think they're doing a good job with it yeah I, th- I like that that we're as confused as the main character although Slightly less because we know what's going on around him, whereas he, we can tell he doesn't. He has no idea what's going on. Yeah, and that makes me feel better about myself for whatever reason. I just yeah. feel like there's all of this information in Tom King's head, and he's distilling it and putting it out here in this form. And I, you know, I commend him because it's it's really a complicated thing. I think it's a brave thing to do. Talk about oh shit moments. That was when the wife pulled the shotgun out of her burka. He's like, oh, if I had a nickel. <laughs> Every time a shotgun got pulled out of a burka. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of oh shit moments, um, I'm going to move over to Walking Dead number 152. And it's funny, I found myself reading, I was reading this in public, and uh, I thought, wow, I'm like part of a big crowd now, and I'm not used to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, it's a big Walking like Walking Dead's a big thing. And I still don't think of it that way. <laughs> what? what? They're on season, what season are they on? Season six? I know. On the TV show? I, <laughs> I see people talking about it. I think of the comic as a different thing. And then I was like, I'm reading in public. I think, oh, I just look at the other person reading Walking Dead. It's not even like special anymore. Josh has got to be special all the time. You're, you're a weirdo. I know it. I like the, like the P52's record guy. But also like that other guy, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's no shit moment at the end of this. And I don't like to spoil it because... People are, are doing what they do, but uh, there's a couple of really good moments in this. And the other thing that's happening is that Rick is turning into Mussolini. <laughs> <laughs> he's learning about he's learning about like uh, using I don't know like trying to sway the crowd to him and using a, a sort of propaganda that's going on. They're painting the walls. It's on the cover actually, and it says uh, it's uh, silence the whispers, which are you know the whispers are their 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 villain, and they're painting that on walls and stuff. And I was like, oh. N- like, that's going to be rad if that's the thing that takes Rick down, is his hubris in, you know, trying to be the leader and then thinking he has to have too much control and then having it spin out of hand. Ha-ha. And. Remember, remember we used to always talk about Walking Dead? Yeah. And not only that, but the community, the comics community as a whole, 
you know, we don't we, we hardly ever talk about the fact that no one spoils The Walking Dead, and it's the only comic nobody spoils anymore. That used to be a, a you know regular conversation in the comic book world. I think the show completely subsumed the book. I do too, and that's why I'm talking about it. Because I and it makes me think it makes me less interested in the book just at a visceral level and and so when I read it I have to remember no no you this is good you still like it you're, and I don't I'm actually kind of happy that I'm not watching the show because I feel like that would definitely in, uh, infect how I'm reading the book and the two storylines not being concurrent and that being slightly different I think would start to get confusing and, and I'd rather read the book. All right, all right, that's fair. So <clears throat> trip to War Corner now. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Johnny Red. We talked about uh, war stories, war stories, war comics, war stories, war stories, and uh, the two Garth Ennis uh, war comics. And we got a lot of feedback about how <laughs> we missed his third one. We got it on Twitter. We got it on Facebook. We got it on emails. We got it on our comments on our website. You guys missed Dreaming Eagles, so I picked up the first three issues of Dreaming Eagles, the six issue miniseries from Garth Ennis. And artist Simon Colby, Josh from the Royals, Masters of War. Masters of War. And this is a book from Aftershock Comics, and I completely will cop to the fact that I have no insight into Aftershock. That's the same company. That's the, yeah, the new publisher that I talked about, uh, the Brian Azzarello book from right. the American Monster. Yeah. So. Which is, I have no. Now I do. Now yeah. I, have to, I just had no. In, I just was completely blind to what They were not on your radar. Right. As it were. No. And, you know, it's just because these companies pop up and they tend to go nowhere. So It's I, true. I, are... I don't get invested in it until there's a reason to. But a, Garth, a third Garth Ennis uh, war comic is a reason to. So I read the first three issues this week. It's a, of the six-issue miniseries, as I said, which is basically <clears throat> a history of the Tuskegee Airmen. And uh, I really like it a lot. I think this might be the best one he's doing, not not just because the Simon Colby art's the best art he's dealing with, but it, this one feels more real and personal in a way that the other ones don't. Johnny Red is basically a superhero war comic. You know, you've got a ca- main character with a silly name, and he wears a silly sort of costume, um, and it's not real, whereas this feels very real, even though I don't, I don't know if this is a real guy or not that he's, that he's portraying, but... Um, this one feels more vital in that sense because the things that happened here were very real. Um, much like he's, he usually accomplishes with his war comics, but I think because the art is so bad in those comics that it's hard to really get invested in it. But I loved all three issues of this, and the third issue was really great again. Did either of you read this? No. I read it. I, I mean, it, it's, I, I, you know, you, you, you enjoy the war corner more than I do. I thought this was good. Um, it didn't really. I did. I did like the fact that it, it was a war story related to Italy. The, and yes. the, the issue they flew. They flew right by Vesuvius. I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, Artie Bucco's place. <laughs> no, <laughs> the actual volcano. Uh, but yeah, no, it was good. It was good. So. Uh, it's been. It's been a really interesting story of a man in in the sixties. Relating to his son, his experiences in the war. His son is a civil rights activist and angry about the world, and his dad's very reserved and doesn't want to get involved. And that was the conflict in the beginning of the story, in the first issue. And now he's been he's been sitting on the porch with the son and a beer, telling him about his time in the war, which he never told him about before. And I think this has been a really great um, conceit and a really great story. And the art from Simon Colby is really wonderful. Yeah. So uh, cool. there's work corner for you. It's, it does it's, sound very good. It's important to note that I think for the first time in a very long time, a Star Wars book came out. We're not going into Star Wars Corner. 
But then yeah. you're talking about it, so I know. But yeah, but I'm not. But yeah, but uh, Darth Vader not... came out, and I was just like, ah, eh, okay. So yeah. Now you've discussed it <laughs> by the mere fact of saying, eh, giving it a review. I don't think he did. Yeah, it's a thank review. you. Thank it's you. A review, he said. No, nope, no, nope. he's not. He's not saying anything about the quality of the book. He's saying about whether he has anything to say about it. Yeah, exactly. That sounded to me like he was saying the book was eh. No. I don't no, I don't I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I read it. I know I know what the book was. Yeah. He's not saying anything about it being good or bad. He's no. saying I I don't feel the need to talk about it. Exactly. 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 I'm, not the same I'm gonna need a ruling from the general populace on this. I, I I'm not I'm not saying whether it was good or bad. I'm just saying I didn't feel like it warranted needing to go into Star Wars Corner, which I thought was which I thought was worth noting. It, yeah, Vader down. So. We've now almost talked about it as long as we talked about Dreaming Eagles. So <laughs> We haven't. We've it's, talked about Ron's reaction to it and whether he decided yep. that he needed to talk about it. What I'm saying is you have snuck it into the, sto- the show. Like, I didn't feel the need to talk about it, but I kind of stepped back because I thought maybe Josh would, but he didn't, and I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, I did the same thing. I noticed. Yeah. I was like, oh, he didn't put that on there. We uh-huh. normally talk about this. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, I think, I think I'm with him. Yeah, but I again, I, I cannot help but stress we are not talking about it. Right. <laughs> you sons of bitches. <laughs> All right, uh, let's do some emails. Josh, I'm yeah. with you. Email Wait. number one from Sarah from Banbury, Oxfordshire, <laughs> says, uh, my boyfriend Adam is a regular listener to your podcast, usually whilst at work. It's his birthday on 8th, the 8th of March, and I was wondering if you could wish him a quick happy birthday from the episode nearest to that date. No, I know it will definitely brighten up his day at work when he listens to it, and she'd really appreciate it. So, happy birthday to... M- Adam. 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 From Sarah, I almost said March. Uh, pre-birthday, so this is coming out on, on March 6th, so there's a good chance he'll listen to it before his birthday, so we're the first to wish you a happy birthday there, Adam. So there you go. Also, uh, I'd like to point out that she very wisely left out his age. Yes. Or, or, or there's a really good chance we would have cursed at him. Yeah. <laughs> or, which, yeah. Being, which being a Brit, he would have been fine with, because, you know, you are a nation of excellent swearers. Uh, Are we sure that Oxfordshire is in England? Bainbury, Oxfordshire? Yeah, yeah I'm Brain- pretty sure. Bainbury in go Oxfordshire? <laughs> Bainbury in Oxfordshire. Uh, anyway, yeah, next email. happy birthday, Adam. All right, uh, our next email is from Wes from Newport, Minnesota, who says, I was curious what your thoughts... Not in England. Not in England. I was curious what your thoughts and experiences were with the 1960s Batman TV show. I remember watching it as a kid and enjoying it, but I haven't watched any in years. Was it a show you ever watched? Any thoughts on its place in the Batman mythos and how it shapes societal views of comics? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, complica- it's a complicated answer. I'm sure you guys have some thoughts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, I, that was I love that the show. I loved it. So growing up, it was... There was a good run of a couple of years when we were in elementary school that it was on at like 4.30 on Channel 5, right, Connor? Yes. There was a big deal about it coming back, and they were showing all the episodes in order. Like I remember running home to get home in time to tape every one of them. Yeah. I mean, And for a while, I had them all on VHS from taping them every day. And I remember because I I would often have like Little League practice or whatever, and I'd have to race home. Or trust someone else to tape it, and that was a big thing for a long. It was a big deal when it came back on TV. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, and and, and it was on after school on weekdays. I remember correctly. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and it was great. I mean, as kids, we loved it because it was just like this. You know, it was colorful, and it was you know, it had that re- retroy kind of feel. I feel like at the same time, the, the MTV was playing the Monkees. 
Yes. And so I remember I remember the 60s vibe was everywhere. The 60s yeah. vibe yeah, the 60s vibe was was strong, much like, you know, how the 90s vibe is now. Um but uh, god, it's true, kill me. It's true. Kill me. Ah! <laughs> 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 but uh but yeah, love the show. Loved I mean, that's where I got my uh, my admiration and love for Burgess Meredith, for Frank Gorshin, yeah. for Cesar Romero. Oh, like Frank Gorshin. So yeah, so. they were just like, I, I mean. There's things they, in my head right now. <laughs> Sur- surprising, surprisingly, I, I found myself loving the actors who played the villains much more than Adam West or Burt Ward. Um, well, because they, they're the ones that got to have the most fun. Yeah, They're exactly. Fun to watch. Um, and then that led to the movie, which was fa- I remember renting the movie from the yep. video store and with the, with the shark repellent, and then the the classic scene that we reference even to this day of some days you can't get rid of a bomb. Some days uh, you just can't really get rid of a bomb. Um, uh, I remember you and I talking about that on Instant Messenger way before I fanboy. Yes. Yep. yep. Um, I love when he. I love that. I love, he, that. I love he, it as a kid. Love it as an adult. I appreciate it for different reasons. As a kid, I, I sort of took it straight up because it was very much a. Adaptation of the Silver Age comics. I mean, there were there were some straight up comic book adaptations in there, and so yeah. I, I love those comics. And I loved it as a kid, and as an adult, I appreciate it on multiple levels. A being the Silver Age version of Batman, but also from the camp level and and the '60s mod level, I, I and the sort of satire it was. I loved all. I love it on very many levels. Yeah, it was great. So, I own the Blu-ray set. When it came out, I bought it immediately. I mean, I yeah, no, it's it's classic. I mean, it's definitely we we love it. But um, so I don't th- love it. You don't love it. Why don't you love well, it? Well, I have a different. When I was a little kid, I loved it because it was a superhero and it was the only thing there was like that. And I really liked superheroes when I was a kid. But I went through that period, like you know, when the in '89 when the Batman movie came out, I was like, "This is more what I want." That other thing is stupid and childish. And so I never really went back and and like built an appreciation for it. And now I don't not like it. Like I can totally appreciate what it is, and I like the fluidity of the Batman concept, as it were, but I don't really have an affection for it in the same way that you guys do, if that makes sense. It's not like I don't like it or I think it's stupid. I just don't, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny now, but it's not like I'd want to sit and watch a bunch of them. Well, I, I mean, like I, I, I think it, it depends on when you're exposed to it, you know? And At the same time as you guys were. Yeah, he said he looked as a kid. Well, yeah. yeah, no, I know, but well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I, I was, I was exposed to it and appreciated it. I mean, this was years before 1989. You have, I know, I know, I had seen yeah. it before that. I'm saying that, but by the time we got to 89, when I was 12, I sort of eschewed it. I was like, no. But I also think, just, like, just Ron, you as a person have a much greater appreciation of kitsch than I do. Yes, yeah. I was just, I was just talking and about so, this the other day with somebody, but yeah, that, that unf- unf- for good or bad, my my kitsch, my kitsch appreciation is strong. So uh, quite high. Yeah, it's quite I, high. I, mine's yeah. quite low. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting. But so, so now the greater question of what societal effect has it had? Um, it's, been, it's been tough because for a while this was saving. the most popular comic book property in the general public ever. Yeah. I mean, when it came out, the first season, it was, you know, it was aired twice a week, and they were in a, both were in the top five shows. And this is when 40, 50 million people watched a TV show. And was it, wasn't it at one point it was so popular it was on multiple times a week? I literally just said yeah. it was on twice a week. Right, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> that's how it, that's not because it was popular. That's how it was set up. It, it started one episode, and, and then it, the second part of the cliffhanger was later in the week. 
Yeah, can, can you imagine a show being on, well, I guess with Law and & Order and all that sort of stuff, but the same, I don't know, the same no, show. It's, yeah. No, it's not like that. Yeah. Law, I mean, yeah. Law & Order occasionally have a crossover, but this is part one of a show, and right. the next two days later was part two. Right. Um, it was a powerhouse the first season, and people quickly got sick of it. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, until Batman 89, this, this was, when people thought about comics, they thought about this, and it's right. still, right. and that ingrained itself into, into society. I think it's different now. Well, but even though the even though the Biff Bam Pow headline still exists, I think the Marvel movies and all that stuff have have changed people's perception of superheroes. Yeah. I feel like the Biff Bam Pow headline exists almost of its own on its own. Now. Yeah, people people I don't think you are realizing they're even referencing that show. Yeah, I, I I think I just realized that now. I was like, oh, yeah, they don't know either that. Or the, you know, the newspaper headline writers are so old that that is the thing. <laughs> that also could be true. Yeah, but. The other half is, I don't but, think. But I think now when people think about superheroes, they think about the Avengers, and, they, and that's yep. not silly. I mean, it's funny, but not silly. And so I think. It's fun. I think what you've had in the last 10 years is, is the movies have really changed people's. The damage yeah. that was done has been undone by, by the last 10 years of movies. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That's interesting. 10 sure. years ago, when we first started the show, 15 years ago, when we first started the, pod, the website, it was a much different world. Yeah, sure. We were constantly fighting against that image, and I think that that was mostly gone now. So, if you play Lego Batman Three and you finish the main story, there's a bonus level where you play as '60s Batman TV show. Awesome. So all the characters are from that era, and all the sound effects. Every time you punch somebody, it's the horn sting. Yeah, it's really cool. And and in the Batcave is is the set, the t- of uh, of the, I guess Bruce Wayne's office. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! Yeah, right. And then with the with the poles and everything. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, can... Yeah. The the bookcase opens up, right? Yep. 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 Very cool. Ryan right. from Worcester, longtime listener since college. When the episode numbers were still in double digits, like eight and a half years, I feel old. We know Ryan. We do too. <sighs> anyway, people always ask your favorite ask your favorite heroes based on some criteria or other. I wonder who your favorite heroes are in Heroes of the Storm. Pick one per class. I've been thinking about this since the Alpha, and I think I have to go with... I, I, I don't know how to say these. <laughs> Warrior Muradin. Assassin Kael'thas. Well, hold on. He misspelled that character's name. Okay. Yeah. It's Kael'thas. Kael'thas, yeah. Uh, nerd. <laughs> Support Rhaegar and Specialist Sergeant Hammer. I am going to go get a sandwich. Text me when you're done. Thank you. So, Ron. Um, yes. It's funny. I don't think about them in terms of, of class. Yeah, neither do I. That's really interesting. I, yeah, but I don't see race either. Yeah, I mean, like when I'm playing, when I'm picking characters, I don't tend to pick. The only the only reason class comes into it is when there's a daily quest. Yeah. Uh, and then I look for the specific class. All right, but, 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 but the class is a way to subcategorize. I mean, you got to, you know, like so so stick with it. All right, so warrior, I tend to play Diablo. Okay. Um, what do you play? Uh, well, no, go through your four, then okay. I'll do my four. Warrior, I tend to play Diablo. Assassin, I play Rainer. Uh, support, I play uh, Lieutenant Morales and Specialist. Don't really have a specialist. I like Sergeant Hammer. I like I like Nazebo. Mm. Um, but I don't tend to play Specialist that often. Okay. So on my side of the fence, on the warrior side, I like ETC, et cetera, okay. whatever. Makes sense, yeah. Um, on the assassin side, I really fell into, uh, for a while, I was, uh, I was Nova and Vala, but um, more recently I fell into uh, doing well at Falstad. 
Well, Falstead's fucking awful. Falstead. To fight against, I mean. Yeah, no, I know. I love him. Um, I On the support side of things, I tend to lean towards Lili. Lili's a good one. And um and but I unlike you Connor you don't like to play specialist I love to play specialist heroes and specifically Nazebo is my jam Nazebo is the best No I like to play them I just don't yeah. tend to for some reason um I like playing Sergeant Hammer every once in a while I like right. <laughs> Josh's Phillips died um, <laughs> oh, No sorry I'm just I'm a little bored so <laughs> I get my guitar out Hang on. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. All right. So there so, you go. So there you go. Here's the storm fans. There you go. All right. So this next question, uh, we'll get. We'll pull. Hey, this Josh, one's for Josh. We'll pull Josh back into the show. Uh, Mick. Fr- Mick. Oh, fr- oh, Mick. Hold on. Oh, I gotta put it away. <clears throat> Carry on. Okay. This next question is for Josh. Uh, Mick from Dapto, Australia. Do you guys know of any good resources for getting into comic writing? either online or published books, etc. I'm a first-time writer, currently writing an outline for a miniseries, but I'm not sure where to go from here. I'm a rubbish artist, so I won't draft with picks, but looking for a guide to help me to at least get a workable script done. Thanks in advance. Love the show. P.S. This is not hyperbole, but I've been thinking about this story for over 16 years. (laughs) (laughs) I've only just started typing this week. And I don't like, I, I dislike the insinuation that Mick is making that the thinking is hyperbole. You need to think about your story for at least 15 years. So finally you are in a place where you can write it. So that's good. Sometimes so. you'll hear about somebody breaking in at like 25 or so and you think. Nope. Uh, no. Nope. Not enough. <laughs> Thought enough. Um, well, Mick, uh, just uh, I, I assume that you have listened to the Make Comics podcast that I did uh, with Andy Schmidt. And they also continued them after that for a bit. Um I think things have changed a little bit since I worked on that kind of stuff a lot. Um, it's going to be a lot tougher these days to. You used to be able to find artists, and you'd like, do I want to work with it? And I feel like there's a lot more. You have to pay for stuff. A little more well, he's now. not. He's not asking. He's not asking for how to find artists. He just. He's looking for well, help in writing. Well, but also he, he wants to. He's looking for a guide to help find a, an artist. Well, here's the. I mean, here's the thing. How do you get into comic writing? Well, the first thing you got to do is come up with a story. That's the most important thing. It seems like you have that. You're starting to write it. That's great. How do you get into writing? You start writing. Yeah. Don't worry about anything else right away. Keep writing scripts, doing whatever. But the thing is, in order to learn how to actually make comics, if you're not drawing, you need to get those things drawn so that you know what works. You know how to work with artists. You know um, how to write for artists and, and those kind of things. And that is important. So you have to find a collaborator one way or the other. Um, yeah. You're doing one thing right. I think is that you started off with a mini series, um, and you're not saying like, "Oh, I have I have a you know a hundred page graphic novel in mind. I have something like that." In fact, I would go, I would I would take it even back even further and just say, write a couple of short stories, four pages, five pages, eight pages, something like that. Um, and that way, if you do want to work with somebody, you can find somebody who, you know, who can either you, you'll pay them for for something, or somebody wants to work with you for a few pages or something like that. Um, you have to learn how to work with artists if you're going to be a comic book writer. Yeah. And so there's no way around that. You can't be a football quarterback if you don't have somebody to throw the ball to. Um, and it works like – I don't even like that metaphor. But the, the point – also, you're Australian, so it doesn't mean anything to you. You have Australian rules football, which, let's be honest, are complete nonsense. Um, I would suggest in terms of resources, you might want to check out uh, the book that Bendis wrote called Words for Pictures. Which is basically mm-hmm. which is basically his treaty on uh, – a treatise on just making comics and it, I mean basically the sub the sub the subtitle of the book is the art and business of writing comics and graphic novels yeah 
So I, I I read it. It tends to go heavy into the business side of things, which I get, which is yeah. important as well too. Well, he, um, that's his that's his thing. I, yeah, he, he he wants people to be better business men, yeah. but uh, businesswomen and businessmen. But also, just get your hands on some scripts because. That's a really good idea. And all yeah. scripts are different. There's no in comic writing there's no singular format, but I mean like it's important. Get writing. Uh the next yeah. thing you can do yeah yeah you have to meet people. And I know that it's like comics people are sort of like uh, stereotyped as being troglodytes who stay at home behind their computer, but however you do it one way or another you go to shows you're in Australia. I don't know what the con scene is like there, but I know there's some. Um meet other people uh either online or in real life. Um you know, talk about making comics with and, and get yourself sort of part of a scene. It feels like a lot of the people who have come up in the last 10 years since we've been doing this were part of some scene, either over social media or, or comic twart, or, you know, they knew people, and, and that, that helps you feel like you're part of something, and that's going to motivate you to um, get writing and get people to work with, I'd say, the first things. And then from there, getting published is a whole other thing, but get some stuff made first. That's almost, that's, it's not almost more important. It is more important, I think. All right. I haven't thought about this stuff in a little while. Final question. We'll squeeze it in. Matt from Minnesota. We have two Minnesotas in this show? Yes. Matt from Minnesota would like, I, uh, he says, would like to know your positions on the Darth Jar Jar controversy recently highlighted by PBS and Playboy. Given these news sources, each of you must have an understanding of the issue. Would appreciate your thoughts. What the fuck is this? Savalva! Savalva! <laughs> Um, long story short, uh, a fan theory popped up. Whoa, last- whoa, whoa, hold on. I didn't ask for an explanation. I don't, think okay. I don't want an explanation. I'm asking what the fuck this is doing in the script. <laughs> Samalba! <laughs> All right. I, if you- I, I, do, I mean, like, are you, I hate fan theory. Right, yeah, yeah yes. Do we yeah. all hate fan theory? Yes, yes. Okay. Don't ask. So there you go. There's your answer. <laughs> Samalba! I don't even want to know what it is. That's where... That's my thought. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to waste the brain energy on even knowing it. Yep. <laughs> I know too much about Jar Jar as it is. All I've right. tried really hard to forget everything about Jar Jar. I don't want to know anymore. Never forget. If you have any questions or comments, uh-huh. if, you, if you want to get in on this action, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. Uh, don't forget to tell us who you are and where you're from. We're getting lots and lots of emails. We love it. Uh, we're doing longer segments with your emails, and we'll keep doing it if you keep emailing. So uh, keep them coming. I hate fan theory because it ends up building a thing up bigger than it's intended to be. Yep. Or and, serves. And when the creators of the thing can't match the expectations of the fans who've built it up, Completely um, separate from what it actually is, the fans get angry. Yep, exactly, exactly. And 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 what it's happened? Pro- to everything. It's, it started with Lost. Yep. Because Lost had the perfect time for the internet and social media, and people got mad that Lost wasn't this thing they built up in their heads for seven years. Yep. And and it, and it, now everything is like that, and I just don't want any part of it. I'll yeah. tell you what I don't like is that. Um, it just it just as a, as a, as an aside, you should check Matt. I don't know if you're listening to Star Wars Minute, but you should. Yes, you should write that question into them. Put it on yeah. there. Like they have, they're gonna have a better answer than me. They're they're, they're it's different, but uh, you know they're in episode one right now, and they're doing it's a great it's, episode one's actually been really good. I, I, mean, I don't my, know that I expected that. My my problem, my, yeah, it's been great. It's been so much fun to listen to. My main problem with fan theories is that it assigns a whole line of thinking that is manipulated and. 
and you know, like it's not like the people making the move that no, it was not what George Lucas was doing. And I think it's fun to a certain degree, but Connor, like you said, when people then take it too seriously and they get pissed that that's not what's happening, that's when it goes too far. It, it was a fun thing to do with your friends, and then it became yes. a whole cottage industry of well, if this yes. isn't what it is, everyone's going to revolt on social media. Yeah, and that's when it ruined, started ruining things. It's it's fun to sit around with your friends and analyze and say. Well, maybe this is what this is, but then yeah. it, when, when you write yeah. your, your blog posts and your think pieces about it, and then it, people get people then assume that's what it is, and then they get mad when it's not. Right. The people writing the show you like are not, don't have time to write these intricate theories. They're getting the show made, right. and then they're doing the next episode. Right. Or it's, or these enormous movies. Yeah, right. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, Saboba. It's, it's for me. It's just too much official stuff. Yeah. I got to deal with that, and then the fan theories, and I don't. I don't want context for these things. You know, I want I want to know that I, I can if I'm talking to my friends about it, that's fun. Just some guys like, well, what about this? And it happens forty times a day. Eh. Yeah, that's such that's the oldest man thing. I think that's just like a split in media now. Like I'm like, oh, I don't want that. It's too yeah. much crowdsourcing. Yeah. If you want more old man talk, go to goodfellowsminute.com. That's where you can find our other podcast, Goodfellows Minute, where we've been analyzing the film Goodfellows one minute at a time. We are in the home stretch. I think we've got about six more weeks of shows on that one. Uh, where we we go through everything to do with Goodfellas, and there is some some old man stuff in there. Yeah, can't help it. I think we come off as young compared to those people, though. Yeah, and we're Italians? not. We're, we're, when you say those people, do you mean Italians? Yeah, <laughs> you people. Oh, jeez, there it is again. There's the bias. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you go again. Uh, and you can we'll check that out. Every every Monday through Friday. Just referenced Reagan, by the way. <laughs> and you can head head over to ifanboy head over to ifanboy.com where you can comment on this show. You can talk about uh, this week's books, what books you liked, what you thought of Black Widow, and other uh, other comics that came out this week. As well, you can find all of our other podcasts. We re- we are a review of Deadpool that came out a few weeks ago. We're going to be doing a Batman vs Superman podcast in a couple of weeks. That's going to be well, fun. Daredevil first. Daredevil. Well, as I don't well. know first. It depends on how long it takes to watch. I think. Jeez. I think actually Batman Superman will come out first. Yeah, we'll see. We'll get, I don't know how long it's going to take us to watch Daredevil. We'll get Daredevil. Out. Well, well, I mean, if the first season is any evidence, I blew through that pretty quickly. Yeah, but, but you're traveling. That yeah, weekend. I know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Again, uh, as your personal travel secretary, I yes. feel forced to remind you you're going to be away from your house for four days that weekend. Thank you. That's a good point, Connor. I appreciate that. No um, all right, so go to ifanboy.com. That's where you can find everything there. You can also follow us uh, over on Facebook at facebook.com slash ifanboy. And on Twitter, we are at ifanboy. And if you want to follow us individually, you can find me at Ron XO. Uh, you can find Josh at J.A. Flanagan and Connor at C.S. Kilpatrick. If you like this show, <laughs> you should leave a review for it. If you don't like what was that? Heroes of the Storm? <laughs> leave a review for it. I wouldn't have left a positive review for that. That's the, I walked away. I got distracted for the first time ever. Anyway, uh, no, seriously, uh, iTunes uh, is sort of the main way that we get that people find podcasts and leaving reviews and leaving ratings and things like that is hugely popular. So if you haven't done that, please go ahead with that uh, and that will help. Or tell people about it directly. Use your social media channels. Uh, tell people in the comic book store if you're at the comic book store, hey, I like this show. Do you? And they say, yeah, of course I like this show. I've been listening to it for so long since it was like just the regular three guys. And like, oh, I only started listening when it was just the two guys because that's what people do in comic shops. Um, so do that. That's very helpful. And I think that is going to do it for this show. All right. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And people are probably wondering why Josh kept yelling Sabalba. Sabalba! Sabalba! Go away! Leaving you behind!